Machiavellian is Illuminati All through your body The blow's like a 12-gauge shot it. And God said he should send his one begotten son to lead the wild into the ways of the man. Follow me. Eat my flesh, flesh of my flesh. Come with me. Hail Mary, run quick, see. What do we have here now? Verbally effective episode 19, your double E Ena Esco here with the Hope Dilla. Yeah. Mr. Dell is in the building. Oh my goodness. First and foremost, I want to say congratulations to you, sis. Thank you. On the success of this podcast. I'm so honored to be here. Long time coming. Let's get into it. Yes, I'm so glad that we could work out all of the logistics and everything yeah. being here today. Yes, yes. And I know a lot of my Memphis listeners, they know the name Mr. Dale. You know, you had a really big hit back in the day when I used to go to uh, D&D. Come on now. Can come you on even now. say the name of that That hit? was my college. That was your college? Man, yeah, D&D. Oh, my God. Can yeah, you? I ain't, I ain't go to college. So D&D was my college. Fresh out of high school, yeah. I went to D&D and was there faithfully. Yes. <laughs> I was, too. <laughs> I was, too. And then when. Man, that was my church. It is. Ass yeah, that was my That's church. Mr. Dale, y'all. Come on now. Hello, hello. Memphis, no. 901 stand up. And you're Grammy nominated artist. Yeah, yeah. Grammy nominated on the Christian side. Dove nominated. Stella nominated. Wow. Uh Yeah, man. Uh, my artists that I've signed have uh, won Stella's. Uh, Ken Jones, uh, Preachers of uh, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on there. Molly Music has done great things with Spike Lee and on Snoop's new album. So, I've man, I'm blessed. Uh-huh. I'm blessed. Yes. So, Mr. Dale, how did it all begin? I know you're from Memphis. What part of Memphis right. are you from? Whitehaven. Whitehaven. Yeah, Whitehaven, man. Blackhaven. Shout out to the BAZ right across the street from the airport. Airport yes. bought the house. Y'all know y'all know about know. that. I Everything on Airways and right yeah, there. right there by Everything. Red Oaks. Yeah, ours were one of the houses that got bought, but you know, from that check, we ended up moving oh, out to Cordova. Interesting. So yeah, it was all good. Yeah, but yeah, born and bred in Memphis Ten. So you attended Whitehaven High School? No, actually when when the airport bought the house, we moved out to Cordova, okay. so I went to Germantown. Okay, Germantown. Graduated from Germantown. Yeah. Okay. So were you always into music even always, in high school? Always. What were you uh, doing always. musically in high school? Oh my God. I was doing tapes. I was rapping. Uh of course, you know, listening to the the OGs, you know. Uh, Paul Juicy 3-6 Squeaky uh, Play a Fly All of that man And just got wrapped up In the Memphis Hip hop scene mm-hmm. And uh, actually That's how I met Juicy I met Juicy In high school in high school. In, in, in high school. Was he a student in, as well? No, no, no. Juicy, <laughs> Juicy. at that time, that was 94. Juicy was had Juicy's place. Remember 380 Bill used to be everybody's club. It yes. used to be Squeaky's place. Yes. Then it was Juicy's everything. place. It was everything. Yes. So, yeah, that's how I met Juicy. I had one of my partners from high school uh, take me down there. We snuck out the house to go. T- mm-hmm. Took me down there to meet Juicy. And that yeah. was how I first got into the music, mm-hmm. you know, or at least first met Juicy. So how was that first encounter? You're like, I'm Mr. Dale and I'm rapping and can I, yeah, I get on? I told him, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, the speech went something like that. But at the time, though, my uh, god aunt was Johnny Walker, which we all know. Uh, but at the time, she was working for Def Jam. Okay. So I was actually, I, it was so crazy. I was actually trying to 
playing A and R, and and I actually took Juicy to Johnny's house Look at you. and like tried to get them <laughs> signed to Def Jam. Right. But uh, Johnny says to this day, man, she'll tell you she was like, ah, oh, I messed up on that. I passed on, up. I passed on them, and that was you know before <laughs> South Rap was on the rise. But I I knew it, man. I, mm-hmm. I knew that them guys had something special, and I just wanted to be a part. So once you met Juicy, yeah. did you start going to the studio recording? Yeah, I start. I, that's when I met the rest of the boys: Paul, you know, Boo, Crunchy, mm-hmm. Lord Infamous. Used to t- God bless, uh, rest in peace to him and and Coop. I used to talk to Lord Infamous man for days, for hours in high school. Man, just just act. He was just used to tell me about the game and just tell me about uh, uh, just music. Man, we just used to talk music. I mean, they were really like a family to mm-hmm. me because. At the time, I was going through a lot in my household, you know what I'm saying? I was being, like, abused by my stepfather, and I really didn't like being at the house. So I always used to sneak out the house and, and, and go, yeah, and go to the mm-hmm. studio, just sit in Paul's house, man, and watch mm-hmm. them record, watching Gangsta Black record his album, Skinny Pimp, mm-hmm. all of them. Mm-hmm. Just always used to be a part, and uh, I would pass out flyers and post flyers and Hook up shows, man. I was you did I it was all. doing it all. I was just I was doing it all. And you know, we're about the same age. Yeah. Um, and I know you got a birthday coming up I really sure do. soon, yeah. June tenth. Yes, yes, ma'am. And you doing a mancation in a Mancation tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, y'all I got a <laughs> right the before flight, the, the, the mancation first, trip. I'm the first thing smoking tomorrow. But you know what? They kinda gives me some nostalgia yeah. with uh around that time frame because I was a student at Lemoyne and okay. uh three six would come up there all the time to perform. Yeah. And they were so cool and down to earth and yeah, even man. when I started at How One O Seven, Three Six was always in the studio with Boogaloo come all on. Come the on. time. Come on. So it's just I amazing. used to stay up there a lot. Shout out to Kegel and yeah, Spider Man. Come on man. Yes. Kegel Kegel is 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 very responsible for ass and titties doing what it did. He mm-hmm. is the first one that put it on the radio like it was before we had to do this clean version, mm-hmm. ask and get it, which I thought was so corny. Mm-hmm. But uh, you had to do it. Yeah, had to do it to, for ninety seven to play it. But Kegel was. <laughs> Man, FCC. He, come on now. Look, Kegel had a good ear. Oh, my God. He had an awesome ear. Yeah. Awesome ear. So how did Ass and Titties come about? Did you just sit down and write Ass no, and Titties? No, like, no. how did it come about? It like, came what was about your... for me and my boys uh, in, in high school that I went to high school with because the original version was me, my brother J-Rock, uh, and Kamal. And we were uh, in my mother's house. Never forget it. So we sat down <laughs> working on a project. And uh, we were just sitting around like, man, we need a banger. Like, we need a banger. And then my boy, Kamal, was like, he said something real stupid. It was like, because he, he's a comedian now, so it makes sense. But he was like, uh, a-holes and, and, and butt, buttocks and something he said. <laughs> he said something stupid. Right. And then I was like, no, man, no. I said, but, but I took from what he said, and I was like, ass and titties. Mm-hmm. And then I just started chanting it. You know what I'm saying? And then everybody was like, yeah, 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 we like that. And then we started writing. And that's how it all began. Wow. And so when you shopped it to the different... I didn't even shop it. You didn't even have to shop it? No, I'm going to tell you what happened. D&D, of course, the D&D days. I went, uh, of course, me always being this, you know, I'm always just trying to get in, rub elbows, network, see what I can say. So Howard, I met Howard, went up to Howard. I said, Howard, I rap. He was like, well, give me, you know, some of your music. Mm -hmm. And at the time, you know, I was working on the album that Ass and Titties was on, which was Lyrical Millennium. And I gave him a song that was a sample with Erica Badu, and it was called Ghetto Songs. 
and he loved it. And he was like, man, this is dope. And then he put me in touch with his guy, a producer by the name of Icon. And Howard funded the record. Mm. Like he was like, "Yo, I'm gonna he put money. I'm gonna put yeah." He believed. He's like, I'm gonna put money behind it. I'm gonna put you in the studio. Boom, boom, boom. We gonna do it like this. So the album that he funded, that was the the song that I put on that album. That's and the good. thing about it is, I could have, you know, kept the song. I mean, I knew it was good, but I didn't know it was going to be what it was. So was it on one of Howard's mixtapes? No, 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 no. no. On... Howard was funding my album because oh, okay. he did it. As a matter of fact, he was doing both of us. He did Devin Steele because mm-hmm. Devin did a mix CD at the time called Urban Experience, okay. and he did mine. And both of us like kind of came out at the same time because okay. we were you know, both under Howard's tutelage or, I guess, mentorship or whatever. So, um, yeah, yeah. So he funded my project. And that was the last song that was recorded. And I know without that song, that album, you know, yeah, cause probably baby, I used to be a D and D when that song came out. And I love my girls. Yeah, man. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. And it was the beginning too, because like after that, that was when hypo. Mm-hmm. He took the same That's formula and came out with North South. He did. You know what I'm he saying? It was did. the same formula. So like a that, chanting. Yeah, type. Yes. yeah, man. And, and because we were in the club, D and D, like that. I don't know. It's like it's homework, you know, for a hit. Like if you're a part of that culture, mm-hmm. you kind of know like what a work. You know yeah. what I'm saying? If you really study it and pay attention, so. Yeah, so that's what happened. So I, you know, Asentitis was the last song we put it out. And I remember at the club, I can't forget. I never forget the night he played it. <laughs> he was like, "Yo, we go play it." He said, "But but it's new. It's brand new, so we can't play it during the regular club. I'm gonna play it at the end." Mm-hmm. So the lights came on. You already know how it go. Mm-hmm. At the D, the lights come on, <laughs> yep. and that's time for everybody to walk out. Right. When the lights came on, he dropped ass and titties, and the people kept stayed on the floor. Yeah. And then when that hook came in, it just they started chanting it, mm-hmm. and and with the reaction. It was just, it was over Immediately. It was e- immediate. That's oh, how we wow. knew we had a hit. That's how you know you got a hit. It was immediate. Oh, my. And so I never get Immediate that. success with the record. Right. So how did the transition with Hypnotized Minds, 3-6 Mafia, come about? With okay, now remember I told you in high school, I was basically running behind them. Mm-hmm. You know, trying. I was, I, I was rapped to them all the time. And I don't know, I guess maybe at the time they felt like, oh, you know, you like the little brother of the crew. Like, just go on, pass out these flies. Like, Mm -hmm. they never really paid attention. But I guess when they saw me do it on my own Mm -hmm. and they heard about it, that was when Juicy gave me a call. And Juicy was like, yo, man, I love that song Mm -hmm. you got. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's up? Like, let's let's do something. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I was like, cool. I was like, and we began to, that's when we began to, to negotiate. And I had signed with Hypnotize. But I was very, um, you know, adamant about Howard being involved because mm-hmm. I knew, okay, well, without Howard, you know, putting the money behind it, you never would have took notice. This never would happen. Were you so, wanting Howard to be like management or? Not necessarily management, but I mean, just, you know, at the time I was young and mm-hmm. I really just didn't know what place I wanted him to be. But I knew I wanted him to be a part of it. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So Howard was, you know, he he got the lawyer. You know, he they negotiated the deal. They worked mm-hmm. everything out, and he really watched my back. You know what I'm saying? So I always like, you know, will be indebted to Howard for that man uh, because he believed first, and then also, you know, he was just a part of that transition of me going over 
to to with three six and because I had always looked at them as my big brothers, mm-hmm. when they you know wanted to sign me, I was ready. You know, it was good. I was ready to go. So signed the contract with Hypnotize. They put it out on the Hypnotize Camp Posse. Um, uh, we did BET the basement that whole nine, and then uh, just went uh, Easter Sunday um, in two thousand. I just ended up going to church, and uh, I wanted to go to church because I hadn't seen my family. So I ended up going to church, and uh, that was when I had this encounter with God. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't nothing I was looking for. Like I was doing what I wanted to do, but I had I heard the voice of God, and mm-hmm. and I heard Him tell me He wanted me to do the same thing I was doing, but do it for Him. So mm-hmm. when I heard that, it just resonated with me, and I saw a vision. And uh, in the vision, I saw me doing what I'm doing now. Mm. And uh, I just was like, man, well, if I do this, you're going to have to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, God said, trust me. And yeah. ever since then, I've been doing that. So in the midst, in the <laughs> right. midst in the of, middle of it, it hadn't even signed, dropped off. You went to church on Easter Sunday. Yeah. You hadn't seen your family in a while. Right. And you yeah, I had been touring and stuff and everything. Yeah, gave my life to God, man. So how did that run with 3-6? When you when you when you call them up, look, I'm saying that ain't do good. ass and titties it no more. Ain't go good. Ain't go good. How did it? Like what happened? Well, I, I I just think that they, I think they felt like it was a phase. Like mm. maybe I was gonna like I was tripping. You were contractually <laughs> obligated too, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. yeah, definitely. So, uh, but you know, I mean, I told them. I said, man, no, this is like real. This is what I want to. This is what I'm gonna do. But you know what, though? They were supportive after the fact. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, at first it's, it's hard. But after the fact and after they saw what I was doing in the city, you know, I had seen them a lot of times out in the street. I would see Paul at the bank. We stayed in the same neighborhood, so I would see them a lot at Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. I see Juice at Blockbuster, Paul <laughs> at the bank, and they, and they would congratulate me, you know, on what I did. And like I said, man, I, I just, you know, to this day, like I love them brothers, man, because probably they didn't know, but they were such – a um escapism like i said from the hell that i was going through in my house and i just just the way they took up with me man and just really you know just let me in their world and just mm-hmm. just taught me the game and you know they was just i mean I, like forever that's amazing. Forever love them brothers for that. I know a lot of people probably don't even know the no, story no. and how it went down no, like No, you're this. the first one, man. Oh, my. Yeah, exclusive. yeah. Because you know when BET and everybody do stories, they, they don't, they, they, don't they go only got a certain amount it. of time. Like, I've done BET and interviews on TBN and stuff like that, but, you know, it's never in-depth. Like, this is Memphis, so this is we, can, we can get down, you know. Well, let me ask you something personal. You mentioned, yeah. you know, uh, being with 3-6 was like an escape from the abuse at home. Yeah. So did you ever get counseling for that or deal with that right. issue? No, I went through I, the same thing when I was also, young. Also, you know what it was? I, I never got counseling for it. And, and, you know, you hear black people always, you know, all the time say, you know, what happens in this house stays in this house. Mm-hmm. But that's really what really kills us. You know what I'm saying? And I think that what God was trying to do at that time was really show me my purpose and a lot of that had to do with, you know, I didn't know my father and I was angry. I hated my mother. I hated my stepfather for beating me. I hated my father for abandoning me. So I dealt with so much, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And it was through the process of me walking with God that he was dealing with those issues mm-hmm. inside of me. So, I, you know, I really don't see it as a career move. It was really a lifestyle move. It was a it was a um, move for God to heal my heart, mm-hmm. you know, in it because I was 
I mean, I was a fool, you know what I'm saying? Like being abused, you know, I, I was abusing other people, mm. you know what I'm saying? Hated myself and it, it was just bad. And um, I just, and that's what really spawned this Soul Ties ministry that I have because I, I believe it's somewhat counseling for people who don't get counseling. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to present or present a ministry that was able to heal uh, people that had been abused and, uh, you know, really been hurt in relationships. So that's what, yeah. Look how God, like, bring you through things to make you see the bigger picture. Yeah. But we all got to go through something. Yeah, man. Oh, my. So tell me more about soul ties. I know that you mentioned to me earlier that you actually went to seminary, right? Yes, yes. So tell me more about once you got saved, Mm -hmm. the transition into your life as we know it today. Right. Well, of course, it started with music, you know, uh, initially. And um, I had been doing uh, what is known as Christian or gospel rap, what Lecrae, you know, is big for. But, you know, in those days, like being the forerunner, like in that genre, they all see me as one of the forerunners of that. So uh, it started with that. But then after going to seminary and after accepting my call into ministry, uh, God began to deal with me on the Soul Ties ministry, which is now a podcast. Uh, I'm talking uh, to different people about a TV show about it. And uh, also I'm on the radio in Atlanta about mm-hmm. it as well. So it has grown into a ministry to where, you know, so many different people um, just around the world, like I, I have helped through the book. I wrote the first book in 2013. Soul Ties, How to Detox from Toxic Relationships. And the second one was written uh, in 2016. And the third one will be out next year. It's it's an installment. So how is that process, though, when you're writing the book? Like, how do you get, I guess, in the mood to write? Or how do you, It's kind of like music. It's kind of like music. It's kind of like music. But in a way, though, you know, I know because I've never been a writer. So when (laughs) I wrote my first book, I literally had to force myself. You know what I'm saying? Because you're going through life and all this other stuff. So it's like a mood. So what I did was I said, okay. Monday through Friday, I'm going to carve out two hours a day to write the book. And before I started writing the book, I just put, like, the chapters. I knew what I wanted to talk about, so I would put the chapters. Okay, this chapter is going to be about identifying soul ties. This chapter is going to be about uprooting. This, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. I bullet pointed it. And then so every day for two hours, I'll write on each chapter. Wow. And that's how I did it mm-hmm. until it got finished. And I just, you know, I didn't put myself... On a deadline, I wanted it to come naturally and organically and off and, and, and with and, and uh, with some authenticity to it. So I just wanted it to just kind of come out of me, and it did. Mm-hmm. And it did. Once I began to do it like that consistently, it just it came. Mm-hmm. I think once you put things in order, that's when it happen. You yeah. can't just be like, okay, well I'm gonna write when I can. No, right. you gotta you, you, you gotta program it. Yeah, you gotta uh-huh. program it. Yeah. But first you started um, with the music, yeah. and then it became a book. Right. And then now you just have this platform. Mm-hmm. So I know you have your own label as well. So mm-hmm. tell me more about that. The label uh, has, uh, like I said, my first signee was Ken Jones, who has, I mean, went on to do great things. He's on the Preachers of Atlanta, Stella Award, okay. Stella Award winner, uh, Molly Music, uh, signed him. Uh, and from Memphis, I believe in supporting Memphis, uh, mm-hmm. D. McGee. Uh, okay. Dan- yeah, da- Dan- uh, Danielle uh, Barlow, uh, uh, she's on the label. New music coming out from her, Marquis Walker. We did the Gospel of Memphis with mm-hmm. Daryl Pettis and Carla Talbert. And, and, oh, man, so many people, like, in Memphis. 
And um, also Fro. I also work with Fro. He tours with me as okay. well. Another uh, Christian rapper. And Merck uh, out of Florida. I signed an artist by the name of Merck, P31, which Trace Bethay loves. It, it, yeah, the label is doing great. So, I mean, other than the obvious differences with working with rappers in, I guess, the secular realm mm-hmm. versus the gospel realm, mm-hmm. do you see any similarities? Yeah, I, I think it's all the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because business is business. Mm-hmm. The same way I had to, you know, sell records uh, with three six is the same way you have to sell records on Universal over here on the gospel side. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's just the message is different. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. And um, you know, when it comes to the ministry part of me, though, you know, the ministry part of me is more so concerned with really just who I'm helping. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who get healed through the books, through the messages and through the ministry of it. You know what I'm saying? So I get more fulfillment, I think, out of being an author and a speaker mm-hmm. more so than an artist. And I think that's just the evolution of me. You know, I'm growing up. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I mean, I'm not that, you know, 20 year old kid anymore. You know what I'm saying? I'm so about proud to, of you. Yeah. yeah like, so it's just evolution. Really seem at peace. I you really know, am. I, can I, I tell. really am. You, you don't understand. Like. Nothing and people and D McGee always tells me she was like they'll do anything get like do anything stress you out do anything I'm like no man I'm I protect my peace and uh, God has really like God is truly in my heart and if the Prince of Peace is living in you I mean come on you walk with peace can you say that you felt like that like that Easter Sunday like, mm-hmm. or did you grow into this peace I grew. I grew. It, it was, I mean, you know, no one changes overnight. You know what I'm saying? And I think everybody in Memphis that loves God, you know what I'm saying, still has that wrestle with the flesh. Mm-hmm. Of course, we all do. We're all human. But I think that when the, it's called a walk, the walk of faith. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just about walking, you know, just walking, getting better and better day by day. If you slip, get up, keep walking. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's all about, mm-hmm. you know. And when And when you truly know who you are, and who God is, it doesn't matter about anything or anybody else. Okay. Yeah. So I know you've been helping uh, relationships uh, grow and get better. Mm-hmm. Tell me about some of your experiences with working with people with improving their relationships. Well, uh, well, two that come to mind is one, um, my right hand, which is a brother by the name of Terrence Moore. He married his wife under my ministry. And he said this the other day, and, and it surprised me because I didn't even know. He said that he wasn't a good communicator as a man, and that men normally are not good communicators, but he's a great communicator. And I was like, well, dude, how did you how did you get that way? How did you start communicating if before you knew me you were no good? He said, through you. Mm. And I was like, wow. Mm. And, and, just, and just to see him and the way he treats his wife, dude, it's incredible. Like I look up to him, and it's crazy because I'm his mentor, but I look up to him. Which I think it, that's the way it should be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then um, another young lady uh, in Nashville, because uh, I tour all over with the book, and uh, she kind of dealt with the same things that I dealt with. Um, her mother, she had a hard time with her mother, but she like recently told me, like, I see the growth in me forgiving my mother through your books and through your messages. So that's what I do it for, man. You know what I'm saying? Because I really want to just at least be a seed to change the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, because you look at it now, like you said, what we talked before, there's so many people are broken, and mm-hmm. we don't know how to do it. Nobody teaches us how. You know what I'm saying? We we get songs 
and get the soundtracks to our brokenheartedness, but we never get any message. Okay, well, how do we get over it? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we get through it? I mean, sister, like, how do we not become the weekend thing? How do we become the wife? Okay, you you're describing a situation that's very real, but nobody knows. I mean, I'm nobody wants to be the weekend thing. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, I feel like you gotta settle. Right. That's what it is in this society. We have to settle. But what I teach is don't let desperation make you settle for an imitation. Mm-hmm. God has better for you, and is we just got to know how to get there. Mm-hmm. So that's what you know. My purpose is all about mm-hmm. is getting there. So you go to a lot of cities speaking on your, your platform. Everywhere. How are the people, uh, how, are, how is their response to you? What have crying, they <laughs> crying, crying, crying. they feeling it. Oh, my God. Like, it, it, I haven't, it hasn't been one city I've been to mm-hmm. where I don't see, as I'm talking, people sitting there, like, crying. Mm-hmm. Because I believe the message that I have is really impacting and changing the lives of the listener. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, that's what it is. I do, you know, I do 50 to 70 cities every year. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Look at the evolution of Mr. Dale. Cause, Crazy. Because, I mean, you were first, you know, performing your song in front of mass yeah. amounts of people, and now you're preaching the word. I think that's the evolution. I know. I think that's evolution. I think that's something that Tupac never got to do. Or Biggie yeah. not, never got to do. You know what I mean? You, you, yeah. you feel me? Because, like, I mean, looking at Tupac, which I relate so much to, we're both Gemini's, and I, uh, but he grew up in this Black Panther home who was crazy intelligent for his age. We forget the fact that Tupac was 21, 22, mm-hmm. talking like he was. Right. Like, I, I know at 21, 22, I was talking about ass and titties. Right. You see what I'm saying? So exactly. so for him to be talking about black people, mm-hmm. uh, politics, uh, just everything that, that we were going through, but then just as a man, him just living, he, he lived his life through the lens of the public opinion mm-hmm. and he didn't get a chance to evolve and, and to grow. Mm-hmm. So I like to think that I'm one of those people who, you know, I, yes, I've been seen through the lens of public opinion, but I'm growing and I'm, in, and I'm evolving. Mm-hmm. And even just to have friends that are in the industry that have came over this way, like I'm great friends with play from Ken play salt from salt and pepper. We done done a song together. That's my sister, her She's husband. Now, right? yes, 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 yes. So all of these people that were in hip hop that were before me, it just makes me feel even better. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? To have a, you know, camaraderie with these artists. Well, you are you such know? a bright light. I mean, I can Thank feel you. your bright light. <laughs> like, seriously, like, positivity. Yeah, man. Now, I know, you know, you do your gospel thing, but do yeah. you listen to hip-hop yeah. still? Yeah, of course. What listen, are some of your favorites? Listen, I'm kingdom. I'm not religious. Okay, king. What's yeah. the difference? What's the difference? Kingdom versus religion? Well, religious is about what you can't do. The kingdom is about what you can do. Oh. The kingdom is about what Jesus taught us. Okay. You know, and I'm just, I don't subscribe to organized religion. I subscribe to God and and what Jesus did. So I'm not at all just, you know, I'm not judgmental. I listen to secular music. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just me. So who are you bumping right now? To be honest, I'm bumping uh, Anderson Pack. I like Anderson Pack. I love Anderson Mm -hmm. Pack. Hip hop. <laughs> oh, like, 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 no, no, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Because it 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 definitely hip hop is is definitely the young generation's voice, mm-hmm. and and I just see that it's not my generation. Mm-hmm. You know what they talk about and what they represent. Mm-hmm. I always celebrate young black men getting money. Mm-hmm. Always gonna what celebrate. What about you, J. Cole? 
Right. Look, but see, he's kind of in our age bracket. He is. Yeah, J. Cole, Kendrick. Yes, Drake. Kendrick, yes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, those are, I like those guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, the, these new guys that, you know, that, I don't know, they kind of promote. And, and I mean, I mean, we all, I don't know. It just seems to get worse. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It just seems to get worse. And uh, I'm definitely praying for the young generation as well. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to be that type of cat that be like, oh, well, because, you know, our parents were Motown stacks. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they didn't understand hip hop. But we're the first generation that actually grew up hip hop right. and are able to look back and see another generation that is the same as us. Exactly. But at the same time, like I, I just feel, yeah, technology has advanced, mm-hmm. you know, the gangster and the ratchet on a whole nother level. You know what I'm saying? And social media. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. how does social media incorporate into your ministry? I use it as a, a platform and a means to get the word out, just like mm-hmm. just like anyone else does, any mm-hmm. other corporation does. And it helps. It, it really does if you know how to use it, you know, right. I mean, I think, you know, I live on Facebook, you mm-hmm. know, Instagram. That's that, Those are my two okay. tools right there man and then okay. and, and they get out they get the word out they get the message out now even with you dealing with um people in your ministry relationships mm-hmm. i know social media has has had to come up in maybe an issue in their relationship just you know how people get dms and tempted to right. go elsewhere how do you deal with counseling through social media issues oh okay with yeah couples? i feel like that that is a form of cheating you know, it's 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 you know social cheating. <laughs> you know, social it's social cheating. You know, you have emotional cheating. You have, of course, sexual cheating, and you have social cheating. Now you know, social cheating. yeah, man. Now you got it. Social you you can have a straight up boyfriend girlfriend on social media. Mm-hmm. I've heard it. You know what I'm saying? I've heard you know people just be you know DMing mm-hmm. you know their lovers or whatever, and they'll be married, mm-hmm. and that's a shame, man. So what I try to do is I try to teach. God's foundation of what marriage is. And usually after people hear me, they rethink marriage, mm-hmm. you know, because I break it down so direct to the point to where, you know, marriage is a ministry, whether you whether people know it or not. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's very difficult to go into marriage and not have all the tools for marriage. You know, we live in a world where you can go and you have to read a book. You have to take the driver's test. Then you can get your license for marriage. You just got to show up, mm-hmm. pay the fee, and that's it. So that tells me that in society, they care more about their streets than they do your emotional health in a marriage. Mm-hmm. And I and I just think that something's wrong with that. Something you know, you know what I'm saying? You have to be trained. To yeah, you have to be trained for marriage. The man has to know. First of all, men don't. You know, some men that get into it, they don't know who they are. Women don't know who they are. What What is your, you know? What what is your God giving, you know, traits? What is the man? The man is the protector. He's the provider. He's the priest. He's the cultivator. The woman is the help. She's the nurturer. Like we don't some we don't know these things. Mm-hmm. So we just get into marriage for our own whatever we learn up to this point. That's the expectation we come in with, it. and and that's that's why we have a high rate of divorce. Yes. We That's do. exactly why, because we, we don't know. We don't know what we're doing. You know what? You would be a great counselor for Donald and Melania Trump. <laughs> because she won't even hold a man hand in public. <laughs> I'm like, 
What you think about this? I'm down for that. Like pub PDA public displays of affection with those two. You know what? You know, shout out to Obama and Michelle, which I feel like they were they were our. No, man, we we needed to see that. Mm -hmm. We needed to see that, especially black people. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? For coming from so many broken homes that we come from, and they were just so loving and affectionate. I thought that that was something for you know definitely black people to aspire to. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely think that's needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we have. Right. Well, we have. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> now, pray for America. Pray look, for our president. <laughs> pray for our president because, baby, he about to be impeached. I don't oh know what's God. going on with yeah, that. Man. Now, what do you think about um, the state of black men right now? Do you think mm. there's a war on black men? Definitely. You know, you're seeing all of this, you know, recent uh, interactions with people of other colors calling the police at any random given moment on a black person. Just in Memphis, the guy was in real estate, and I think he was doing an inspection mm. on the, the house, and okay. the next door neighbor called the police. But the really? police pushed back on the neighbor. It wow. was like, he's doing his job. Call, say something else to him. It's harassment, and we're going to... Uh, arrest that's you. good. That's so that's good. a plus. I mean, that's good to see that. Shout out to Memphis. I know. Oh, right? oh, oh, Ned, man, come man, on, come on through. Yeah, shout out because my cousin is one of the police women of Memphis. Shout out to Virginia. Yes, Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yes. that's my cousin, baby, my my sweetheart. Shout out to Memphis. Yes, there is a, a, a an attack, but I believe the attack is deeper than uh, social. I, I believe that the enemy. You know, our, our, our true adversary, the devil, mm-hmm. has an attack on black men. You know what I'm saying? Especially because black men, once we get back in our rightful place, the family will change. The communities will change. Therefore, the city's changing. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the nation will change. That's it all begins with the man. That's how that's how everything began with mm-hmm. the man. And God and the man, you know what I'm saying? So God, men have to get back in God's presence, I believe, mm-hmm. you know, in order for everything to be like it should be. How can we get the man back on the plan? That's what I'm working on. That's okay. what Soul Ties is all about. <laughs> but, but but truly, you know, women are influencers. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I believe that women need to be healed. Mm-hmm. I believe that black men, because of slavery and so many things that we endured, that we've we've really hurt and abused you know Malcolm X said you know one of the 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 biggest you know the biggest things that horrors that have ever been done is to the black female Mm -hmm. and so I believe that once she gets healed then she can influence that man to get back in the presence of God that's what I think Mm -hmm. because it's a story in the Bible where Jesus used a woman at, at a well and used her healed her and she went back to her town and told the men there, come meet a man who told me all about mm. himself. So I always look toward the word for these things. You know what mm. I'm saying? And I just really think, because you look at, I mean, women, y'all are coming up. Look at you, podcast. You got Beyonce. You got Oprah. You got all these women doing these great and powerful things. Is mm. you know, it's it's very it's a rising of the woman. And I just want to make sure that 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 heart of that woman is healed mm-hmm. before she comes into her true power and influence that she truly has because a bitter woman can cause dangerous mm. things. What can a bitter yeah, woman yeah. do, Mr. Dale? Oh, my God. Come on, man. You don't want, you don't want to fool hey, with Come on, now. That's a whole nother episode right there. That's, <laughs> that's a whole nother episode. But, yeah, man, uh, both both hearts need to be healed, the woman and the man. Now, in your ministry, I'm sure just speaking on a, on a bitter woman, mm-hmm. 
you've been approached by a bitter woman and has she turned around? Yeah, definitely. Was it yeah. easy to do? No, 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 it's not easy. Do you think yeah. that's one of the hardest things in ministry? Definitely, definitely. Because that woman, and, and to any woman listening, she has to want to be healed. You know, again, it was a story in the Bible. Again, I got to go there where a man was at a, you know, this pool and in the pool, every time it stirred up, people would get healed. But he was there for 38 years. And he and and, and Jesus said, in 38 years, why haven't you got in the pool? And he and he just had excuses. You know, people wouldn't help me. You know, Mm -hmm. people would come by and they wouldn't help me. And Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And that was just real deep to me, like like. You got to ask, do you want to be healed? Like, or are you comfortable in your bitterness? Like, it has the handicap become your normal? That got to take a lot of energy to always be bitter, though. It took a lot. Yeah, right. Right. But but, but for whatever reason, I'm pretty sure you know bitter women, they they exercise it. Mm -hmm. They exercise it. So it's just you have to want to be healed. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be healed, you can. It's nothing impossible for God. Mm-hmm. So that's what I push. Do you preach on Sunday, like every Sunday? Not every Sunday. Not I'm, every I'm Sunday. travel a lot. Okay. Yeah. So we can catch you but you can see me on YouTube. You keep you keep me on YouTube. No, okay. you can see me on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, okay. technology, man. I got to People want to hear it all. Oh, okay. I got and, it. And how can people find your podcast? They can find it on Patreon, Dale Lawrence. So just go to Patreon, uh, which is becoming very big with a lot of people who listen to podcasts. I'm on there. Dale Lawrence, and you can catch me on all the places they catch yours mm-hmm. on uh, iTunes, iTunes, Google Play, Google everything. Play, Soul Ties Podcast. Yeah. Make sure you guys check out Mr. Dale. And uh, it's it's kind of funny uh, when Dale first got here, we went and talked with <laughs> Devin. He said, You know what would be great if you could do a <laughs> gospel cut over ass and titties beat? <laughs> I'm waiting for Cardi. Somebody, one of y'all new rappers, pick that up and and just right, gonna, yeah, give, give me a nice little publishing. Give me a nice little publishing check, and I can pour into the kingdom more. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Thank you so much, Mr. Dell, for stopping by. Hey I'm man, thank effective. you. And happy early birthday. Thank you so much. I know much. you're going to enjoy Aruba. God, yes, God is good, man. Yes. God is good. I'm enjoying life, enjoying my brothers, and. Man, enjoy another year being on this earth. That's yeah. awesome. You are such a blessing. Mm. Verbally effective. Episode 19 in the books with Mr. Dale. Come with me. Hail Mary, nigga, run quick, see what you be having.